as the kids are heading out, I want to take a minute to let you all know some information. This week, many of you have called or emailed the church office wanting to know how you or as the community can respond to what's happened in Texas with the flooding after Hurricane Harvey. And with today being a national day of prayer for what's happened in Texas, uh, I want, we wanted to let you all know that if you would like to give money, we would ask that you give to UMCOR, the United Methodist Committee on Relief. 100% of every dollar that you give to UMCOR uh, will go directly to helping people in Texas. The overhead costs of UMCOR are absorbed by the, the United Methodist denomination. So every penny that you give that is designated to go to Texas will go to Texas to helping people. And if you feel like there's like nothing you can do and you feel helpless in this, this time right now, I can tell you that I found out this morning that Will Ashley, a fourth grader here at Mount Olivet, has been going door to door with flyers, letting people know that he will mow their grass for them and that you, when you pay him, all of that money will go to hurricane relief. So all of us can do something, even if it's letting Will mow their grass. <laughs> On Monday, Camden and I boarded a train and then a bus, and we headed to D.C. For a four-year-old, it was the best day ever, with two public modes of transportation. We were on our way to the Minister's March for Justice, a rally that began at the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial and ending at the Department of Justice. Organizers of this event had been expecting approximately a thousand clergy from across the religious landscape of America to attend. By 11 o'clock that morning, 3,000 clergy had registered and were assembled on the south side of the National Mall, plus my four-year-old. I will be lying to you this morning, which Camden would remind you you should not lie, let alone in church, that my original plan was to take him with me. That would make for a heroic or a great sermon illustration, but it would be a farce. The original plan was to drop Camden off with his great-grandmother, my Amama, but through Amama's unwillingness to read my mind or my forgetfulness, she had not been given the advance warning necessary for that day. So off to D.C., Camden and I went, and even while not being fully independent on this trip, I knew Camden and I would be okay in D.C. Given enough snacks and water and an Orioles baseball cap, Camden is a pretty durable kid. I will note, though, that Allison said if we ended up in jail, she would bail him out first. <laughs> and if all of those things didn't work, there was always the bribe of ice cream at the end of the day. Whether we are marching in D.C. or moving up the, ring, the rungs of life, the idea of independence for ourselves is a temptress that keeps most of us moving forward, keeping most of us striving for that every day. We show up for work as young adults because we want financial independence from our parents. We work hard so that we can become the boss 
liberating ourselves from bosses who don't know much about anything, let alone how to run an efficient office or project. We choose to live in neighborhoods that do not have homeowners associations because we don't want the color of our front door dictated to us. We also don't want the number of vehicles we can park in our front yard dictated to us. And we choose to drop our kids off with loving family members so we don't have to carry them from one side of D.C. to the other. Our scripture reading this morning is a familiar one for most of us. Moses and the burning bush. Last week, Reverend Kate Floyd of Arlington Commons a new United Methodist faith community here in Arlington, shared with us about Moses' birth and the courageous midwives who ensured that Moses, along with other Israelite babies, were not slaughtered by Pharaoh's commands. In between the midwives of last week and the burning bush of this week, there's been a lot that's happened. Moses has killed an Egyptian man who was beating an Israel slave forcing Moses to flee Egypt, fleeing from Pharaoh's reach and settling in Midian, and then marrying an influential priest's daughter. Moses being forced to leave Egypt might seem like a setback, but he kept moving towards independence even while residing in an alien land. He married into an influential family, was living comfortably outside of Pharaoh's reach, and as a shepherd, would have had very few responsibilities. Like Moses, even when we stumble, we do our best to gather ourselves, moving back onto that path of independence, the path that most of us carefully chart out and attempt to follow with laser-like precision. Even though, even when we take a step back, either because we've killed an abusive Egyptian or because we've simply stumbled, we can typically get back on track, moving back towards the independence that we desire so desperately. But we often find, just as Moses did, that God has other plans for our lives. Like Hannah told us, when Moses was minding his own business, tending to his father-in-law's flocks, an angel of the Lord, and then God appears in a burning bush. This is no ordinary encounter with God. Not only is this encounter visible, designed to grab Moses' attention, but God speaks to Moses in three parts. First, there is the summons to get Moses' attention and to let him know that not only is God speaking, but God is speaking directly to him. Second, God asserts God's own holiness so that Moses will know that everything in that moment, everything is about to change. And finally, God provides identification Connecting and reassuring Moses that this is the same God of his ancestors. In this moment, God is disrupting the independence that Moses had created for himself since fleeing Egypt. In this moment, everything about Moses' life is going to change. 
Moses is told that the safe life he had made for himself in Midian as a shepherd was going to end very abruptly. And he was being sent back to Egypt to liberate the Israelites from their captors. In this moment, God is telling Moses that the independence that he sought so much would be no more. Moses goes as far as to convince God, that's always a fun task, that he is unworthy of the task. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring my people out of Egypt, Moses asks, questioning his own competency. In God's response, though, Moses' independence turns quickly to dependence, dependence upon the divine, when God says, I will be with you. Returning to Egypt, liberating Israel from slavery, is not something that Moses would have been able to do on his own. Moses, while stepping out and returning back to Egypt, back within Pharaoh's reach, will be taking a step back, a step behind God, and the plan that God had to liberate the Israelites from their bondage in Egypt. The will that Moses had for his own life was now being put on hold for the will of God. In the 16th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, we find a similar story that echoes our Exodus reading from today. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block for me. You are setting your mind on divine things. Not on divine things, but on human things. And then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone wants to be my follower, let him deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world, but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? The Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly I tell you, there there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. What does it mean for us to pick up a cross and follow Jesus? You know, during the time that Matthew is writing his gospel, to follow a rabbi would have been a lifelong commitment. A commitment to learning the teachings of the rabbi and to live a life mirroring that of the rabbi you were following giving up one's self, one's identity, so that they could truly follow. Like Moses giving up the life he had in Midian to follow God into Egypt, so too are disciples of Jesus. The problem, though, the problem is our desire to be independent, our desire to be child-free during a march that moves us 
from behind Jesus and places us in front of him. The story of Moses and the burning bush changes if Moses does not follow God, giving in to the question, who am I, and not returning to Egypt. Our following of Jesus changes when we act as Peter did, rebuking Jesus, telling Jesus how we want things to turn out. In our reading, Moses is passively and actively responding to God's calling at the burning bush, passively by responding and acknowledging that God's divinity, faithfully witnessing to the, to the call placed on Moses' life, and then actively by responding and being a leader among those whom he was sent to liberate. That's how the practice of cross-bearing works for followers of Jesus Christ. But as Frederick Buhner professor of religion at Whitworth University notes, mainline churches, and that's us here at Mount Olivet, mainline churches have tended to stress the passive, and in doing so, we are missing out on the invitation of Christ extended to his disciples, similar to the invitation extended to Moses. When we accept the invitation to take up the trials and the troubles that come in the life of discipleship and bear them as bravely as Jesus. We are accepting the passive piece of cross-bearing. But active cross-bearing calls us to something different. Active cross-bearing calls us to lose our independence entirely, submitting to the kingdom of God over the kingdoms we are trying to build for ourselves. Jesus told his disciples, for those who want to save their life will lose it. We have a choice. Discipleship is a choice that each of us make. Discipleship, the following of Jesus, is a decision that enables us to turn away from independence, the independence that we seek, and to live a life without the self-aggrandizing or agendas that we tell ourselves we need. Following Jesus will mean something different for each of Jesus' disciples, and only through the Holy Spirit will each of us discover what that means. But following Jesus is about more than just following his teachings. It is about following him into Jerusalem. It's about dying to ourselves. It's about dying to our independence. And through the waters of baptism, finding new life in the resurrected one. It's about following God off the mountain and returning to the place from which you fled. Now, I don't want to insinuate this morning that taking Camden to a march in D.C. was a burdensome uh, cross to carry. Sure, carrying a four-year-old for most of the day in the humidity of August was not the most glamorous thing to do. But when Camden asked me why we were there, and I had to explain as best I could to a four-year-old what's been going on over the past few weeks and how that's been going on for quite a while in our country. And he responded with bewilderment. And this is why Camden is my favorite theologian. He said, God loves everybody. And Jesus loves everybody. 
And at that moment, when Camden uttered those two sentences, the cross was laid before me. In the end, we all have a choice to make. Moses could have ignored God. Peter could have stayed out in front of Jesus. I could have left Camden at home with Allison. Or better yet, he and I could have both stayed home. Taking up our crosses and following God is not self-denial so much as chocolate or social media during Lent, but rather it is a decision to let another Lord rule our lives. A Lord that even when we feel unworthy of the liberating task set before us, is empowering and strengthening us. Amen.